Hey there, my name is Mark McCartney and welcome to the What is a Good Life podcast. Over the last two years, I've interviewed over 170 people around this question, not to provide you with a universal answer, but to help you find and define your own answer to this question. On the 41st episode of the What is a Good Life podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Smith of Mark Smith Photography as our guest. Mark is a wildlife photographer, videographer and storyteller whose stunning work has amassed a huge online following with hundreds of millions of views on on YouTube and elsewhere. In this episode, Mark shares with us his sense and experiences of flow from his work. We reflect on the beauty and awe of both being in the wild and being present with it. He talks about the inspiration he takes from nature regarding the seemingly insurmountable odds and significant obstacles he sees being faced every day. Mark also shares a touching and surreal account of his communication with the family of cranes that later provided him with inspiration, perspective and supported his healing when dealing with his own personal tragedy of suddenly losing his wife. Like his work, this conversation gives us an insight into a world that most of us could probably greatly benefit from experiencing more often. This episode also offers a unique perspective on observing and navigating the cycles of life and the joys and the hardships that go with it. For those of you listening to this on the podcasting platforms, we actually recorded this episode during the summer with Mark out in the woods. So the sounds that you hear accompanying this are the rather fittingly intermittent chirpings of nature. Look, I took a hell of a lot from this conversation. Mark's enthusiasm for his work, for life, uh, for observing life means that he's developed a number of insights in terms of how we engage with, experience and interpret the fluctuations of life. So I'm sure you'll take a lot from this episode as well. And if you enjoy this conversation, please like, share and subscribe. And if you're on the podcasting platforms, please leave a review as I greatly appreciate your support at this stage of my podcasting journey. So without further ado, the 41st episode of the What is a Good Life podcast. Mark, thank you very, very much for joining me on the What is a Good Life podcast today. Uh, I see that you're in perfect situ or location given given your uh, given your calling in life so thank you very much for joining me today oh my pleasure and it's, it's kind of actually neat to be where i am to do this too so <laughs> yeah absolutely and thanks for, thanks for having me cheers as, a, as i kick these off markets with the question of is there a question you're trying to answer as you move through life oh wow um I would say there's a, almost an infinite well of questions I'm trying to answer as I move through life. <laughs> and each day and more experience, you, you kind of get answers to some and then more questions kind of pop up. So, yeah, for sure. Um, specifically, though, oh, I, I don't know. It's a pretty wide and varied list. Yeah. Is there, in in terms of how you approach life, Mark, is there... I don't know. Is there something that you're seeking a, an answer to, or even in your even in the the line of work that you're in, or the the situations you find yourself in? Hmm. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that there's an answer that I'm seeking. More, there's a connection I think that I find when I do this stuff that's very comforting to me, and it's uh kind of puts me in a really good meditative state, and, and I get really balanced when I do all of this. So I, I think that's part of the attraction to it. Um, but as I go, the one thing that I learned, you know, I, I go out and I do a lot of stuff with wildlife, but I meet amazing people along the way. And those always end up becoming the highlights of, of my journeys is meeting and making friends with people all over the world. And um, that was like, that's an unexpected one for sure for me. And so even with that, Mark, was when you're talking about connection and even with people, um 
is is that like a, an unexpected byproduct of like the the engagement or the meditative state or the the, the headspace that almost the the wildlife and the attention to the to your surroundings brings? Yeah, I think so. I, I think a lot of people who pursue this type of I don't know if you want to call it art form or hobby like wildlife photography and or videography are all kind of like minded and they're already fascinated with everything around them. So you find that you are around like-minded people and you have a lot of the same values and views of things and you kind of fit like really quickly and you can bond through these experiences, I think in a way that you can't with other stuff. I would relate it a lot to like uh, Anthony Bourdain did good stuff when he would eat with people because they all bonded over a common thing and that was food. So regardless of your views or even the language, you, you were all there doing something that you understood and loved. And it's kind of the same aspect as that. So they might be completely strangers when you meet them, but within a day or two, you feel like you've known them your whole life and you're, you can have almost this instant bond with them. And it's, it's really amazing. When you describe that, is that I'm almost getting the sense that it's not like you necessarily, and correct me if I'm wrong on this assumption, it's, you're not even talking about then like exchanging life stories or anything like that. There's just something communal about the purpose, but it sounds too focused on something. But it sounds almost like just like the, the commu- aspect of the community, uh, something so communal or something so bonding is is what brings you together. Yeah, very, very much so. There's like the, the common desire to to be in these moments like maybe even record them talk about them and then share them later um i think it's interesting uh, you know my son and i my son comes with me a lot on this he's 25 and uh he he loves it just as much as i do and we talk a lot about stuff and with like the the ai stuff on the forefront it things are kind of weird you know especially with photography right now but the whole aspect of all of this is that can never replace the experience and the the experience that you have doing it or the experience you have with these other people so it's something about that that experience that that bonding that that makes it so magical does that make sense oh yeah yeah no it 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 definitely does and uh, and i think it's i don't know even in watching some of your videos and your photography over the last few uh the last few weeks it's it kind of brings me into a place of and en- some part of me is envious for, <laughs> for 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 what you're experiencing or or it just seems so I like it seems so deeply connecting even with the like it's one thing to be even be out in nature, but it it seems to be another thing to be so focused or so still while in while in that. Like not not necessarily I know you may have a mission to take a to capture an image, but Mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's a lot of stillness in your day in some of these uh, ex- excursions. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that's kind of what I was saying earlier. Like in the, in the middle of it, even in a, an extremely exciting event, there's a lot of things that you have to balance if you want to capture it like in a good way. You know, so you, you have to balance the the animal behavior. You have to understand that a little bit. You have to balance your camera settings and, and how the light is at the current situation. And you have to balance yourself a little bit. So you, you get into like this, this zone, you know, like what they would call the flow to where even though you're there with all these other people, the moment you're doing this, everything else kind of melts away and you're, you're just there in that moment living it um, kind of again, like kind of by balancing all of these things. So it, it, it kind of like for me, 
I find it very grounding and very, uh, I, I guess still would be a good word, but at the same time, not. Uh, how would you describe it further? Oh, um, oof. There, there is a stillness, but there's also an element, like an underlying element of excitement to it as well. And, and then there's a learning experience with it too, as far as what you're seeing and processing it as it's happening in your own mind and, and understanding the behavior or whatever it is that you're, that you're a part of. Um, oof, that's, that's really tough to quantify, to, to put into words. It's very difficult. Like where I am now, we, we're here to see this really un, unrivaled spectacle of eagles. Sometimes there's 300 of them at a time. And they get into this feeding frenzy that's all a natural occurrence. And I don't think, from my knowledge, that this happens anywhere else in the world. And I've tried my best to portray it to people with video and still imagery. But you can't accurately do that. You have to really put the person in the middle of it. And then, like, and that's what we've been doing for the past two weeks here. And then to see them in the middle of it, then they, oh, wow, yeah, this is, oh, it, it really, everybody has taken their breath away. And, and they've, they've left rejuvenated like they almost almost as if like the the day-to-day -day grind of everyday life kind of depletes away at at the human experience and when they come here and do this that gets refilled does that does that make sense yeah oh that makes absolute sense um, yeah there's something i don't know just so beautiful though i think by the like any moments of that we come into almost contact with all like where you know, I, I love this idea too, despite the the technology that you're using, that even of that kind of higher quality, it's still quite, I can't, you still never felt like you captured the essence or the, the presence of the moment. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if it's possible in certain circumstances. I mean, you can do your best and you can, you can give people a vague idea, but, but they have to be there to experience that, to really fully understand it. This lovely idea, though, you had there of um, like almost the rejuvenation of people, like going out on these excursions or um, being out in these na in moments in nature, where especially when you're talking about this three hundred gathering of three hundred eagles, where it's obviously particularly stunning. And um, this idea of rejuvenation, how big a part does that play in your life in terms of the? the coming back to the work that you do like how, how does how how important is that rejuvenation part to this i think it's pretty vital to it but i think again there's more to it for me there's a a parallel between a lot of the trials and tribulations that we have and the animal world has at least i see it that way and i take a lot of great inspiration from watching these creatures and seemingly impossible uh instances overcoming it and like to me it's humbling very very much you know make, makes me feel very small and simple when i see this and it really makes me understand that what i think is is like a big huge blown out problem really is in, inconsequential by comparison so it's it's very humbling in that sense um and, and inspirational too like like again to, to see these things and say okay <laughs> i'm upset today because the air conditioner in my house broke <laughs> right something something tiny but this bird might have missed its fish and it's in like you know 40 degrees fahrenheit water and another eagle might have just taken its eye in the process and it might die simply because it needed to get a piece of food 
I mean, so it's, it's, it's very humbling in that sense too. So I think that's, that's really important. And again, I think that comes back to like the grounding and the rejuvenating too. It, it, it humbles you and grounds you. And if you look at it with the right mindset, you know, can you think of some of the key lessons that you've learned? Like I know you're giving the example there of a, of a bird coming down looking that's starving for food and losing its eye in the process. But like, are there are there other kind of things that have particularly stuck out to you in terms of your of what you've been trying to capture? Where you're like, holy shit, that really <laughs> that, that really made me ponder life, or this really this really made me take on things with a, a different perspective. Yeah, I I would say there's there's a kind of an underlying theme with all of it and and that is like the tenacity of these animals in the face of huge odds to survive and continue to do what they do on a daily basis. I I think I think that's one of the big things for me. Um so again it's kind of inspirational in that sense to to see. I I was recently off the coast of Washington state um, photographing some foxes that, that are pretty well known. They're pretty habituated in an area. They were introduced by man to try to control a rabbit population. But some of these foxes live in this meadow that's a good ways away and they get preyed on by bald eagles, like the baby foxes. And it's, it's a well-known thing. And most people go to this place to photograph the cuteness of these baby fox kids. And while I was there, I, I had a couple of days where I watched these two eagles just constantly trying to steal the fox babies and there was one moment it's it's really hard to describe but where an eagle came into the den tried to grab a fox kit and the fox kit dove into the den you can see its little tail you know go straight in but then something happened that i never expected there were four adult foxes and they pretty much came from every direction and tried to snatch that eagle out of the air at all costs they had to eliminate this thing all three of them missed and like off in the distance, there was one fox kit wide out in the open and the eagle came right in on it. And from out of nowhere, the last remaining adult fox literally jumped up and threw its body on the kit to protect it from the incoming eagle. And the eagle bailed at that last second. And that was like a learning experience to me that showed, uh, I don't know, the tenacity of these creatures that, you know, people are there for the cutesy moment of the, the baby fox, but there was a battle ensuing there that was life or death. And it was every 10 or 15 minutes that they had to do this. So it was, again, kind of back to that same common thread. It's very humbling. It's like, wow, <laughs> I don't have it so bad. It, it, it's amazing though, just the, like just the, the drive, whether it's in humans and animals, like, you know, obviously when we're in this very comfort, comfortable scenario now, if we live in, in certain parts of the world, um, and as you said, like if your biggest complaint was my AC isn't working today and then I'm, I'm out seeing this, it puts things in perspective. But it, it is amazing to, it must be so amazing to appreciate on such a frequent basis this innate kind of striving we have just to survive sometimes. Like beyond, you know, beyond trying to put like, you know, even the struggles that humans face so regularly and I'm like, I'm not trying to, this is a less glorious uh, thing, the impression that you're giving, but there's, there's uh, some people in, in Berlin where I'm based at the moment where I see, I used to live in a certain part of town where I'd see this guy begging and, and he usually would have different scabs over him. So I assume he's, he's addicted to, to something and to something. 
And I'm always amazed when I go back there around once every six months or a year that he's still he's still there, if you know what I mean. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know, like, I, it's it's amazing even just in that scenario. I have just a huge amount of respect for him, if you, if you, if you know what I mean. Or just, oh, oh, definitely. He, repre- he represents something in that moment to me of, like, Jesus, he's still, he's just, his life looks pretty hard and he's still going, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. And, you know, I've seen a lot of homelessness and, and stuff like that where, where I go in certain places. And I always end up thinking, you know, how, how hard their life must be for them to actually be there to do that. that there's a, like a sense of, of pride that has to go away for that to happen, you know, for, for people. And that, that's, that's tough. Do you, just out of interest, do you, has observing animals to this extent, has it, has it, has it altered how you also, do you view Homo sapien in similar ways or do you, like, do you take a different perspective on how you survey things when, when you're not behind the camera? Oh, most definitely. It, it, uh, photography really teaches you to see the world in a different way in multiple ways, uh, not only do you like after a while, like you develop kind of an eye for like an artistic moment that might be happening. Like uh, you could be on a beach and and suddenly a sailboat drives between a couple peaks in the or, you know uh, comes by between a couple peaks in the in the distance, and it's like a perfect composition, you know. So you you can kind of see this painting in the moment. But then, in the same sense, kind of like what you're saying with this this homeless person, there is a a constant struggle that you can see with people in their day-to-day lives, be it like homelessness or maybe even um, somebody that has uh, a very stressful job. It's, you can kind of relate it to the same, to the, to the human experience as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it, it it does. It, It has also taught me to, to, I don't know, to be more open to everybody's experience. I, I don't have any idea what any person is going through at any moment in their lives. And, you should never really make a judgment based off of, you know, a rash moment they might be having. Who knows what could have happened to them? So same with like a lot of the wildlife. It's it, They go through these problems and they might be cranky one day. Like there's a, a pretty good instance. We had a, an osprey that we would regularly photograph and we called it cheeky because it had a big fish hook stuck in its cheek and like three feet of line coming down. It was the most aggressive osprey i've ever seen it would attack any other osprey that came within feed of it even if it already had a feed it could have a fish in its talons and another one came in and it's like oh no 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 and it would go out and attack and drop the fish just to fend off its area and you know we think it was solely an active aggression from this injury like it had to fight twice as hard because of this injury to establish its dominance in the area um so you can kind of sympathetically see that in the human experience as well with with certain individuals and i I don't know depending on how you see things you can you can kind of defuse a tense situation if you're kind of calm like you would be in those situations and and bring it into the human experience sometimes it's a subtle little distraction is all it takes to bring somebody off the ledge so to speak and and calm them down and get them kind of back into balance if that makes sense and i've learned i've learned a lot of that through a lot of these experiences with animals because I see a lot of that happening with them as well, you know? Just, I think this is also interesting though to, 
with lots of different, let's say, wildlife programs I've watched uh, down through the years, um, or even just witnessing um, witnessing nature up front as well, it's amazing that when you're watching, what I also find so interesting, when you're watching it from one animal's perspective, like when they're the main character in the story, so to speak, mm-hmm. you're rooting for them. Right. Like I, I, you know, I, I, if you if you're showing me something where a particular osprey is starving, I'd almost want it to get the the fish, if you know what I mean. But if, sure. if you were shooting this from the perspective of the fish. this uh, school of fish, you, you know what I mean, or <laughs> oh, like, or yeah. even like, uh, and I'm and I'm like, God damn that evil osprey. So it's it's super interesting too, even just from whose perspective you're you're also watching the story from as well oh yeah well definitely um there there is a a a good dose of speciesism that happens with with wildlife photography and and animals and stuff and i have i have a very short clip that i had posted sometime about a year ago where i was photographing or filming a baby loggerhead sea turtle as it made its way down the beach to the water and as I was filming it, a crab came from out of nowhere, picked it up and, and carried it away. Like it happened so quickly. I didn't even really know how to respond. I was like, I, I see the crab coming like, oh, that's weird. What's the crab doing? And then it picked this turtle up and ran full speed. I was like, oh my God, what is it doing? And a friend of mine that was there with me, you know, stood up and kind of chased the crab away and it dropped the turtle. But in the video, I kind of wanted to demonstrate the struggle and I didn't want to show the part where the crab dropped the turtle. I wanted everybody to be like, oh, this is this is hardcore, but not in the sense of uh not not in the sense of like just like pure violence or anything like that, but in the sense of, hey, this is what happens out there. You know, th- this little turtle, it's got a tough life, you know. Um yeah. but I ended up getting attacked like massively online because I let it happen. That was the thing. How could you not yeah. interfere with this? And that's a good example of what you're talking about. Ultimately the crab has to eat too. It it does as as sad as it might be because the turtle might be endangered or anything like that. And yeah, we can do our best to help them. That would kind of disrupt the whole flow of things and and the natural flow of things. That's if one thing I've learned doing this is, is mother nature always has a way to kind of figure out the balance on her own and, and will, and will demonstrate it constantly over and over and over again. And Kind of like where we are now, there is this weird phenomenon that happens where these fish get stuck in a current and brought up from like a thousand feet to the top and they get like a compression sickness where all the air inside of them expands and they get stuck on the surface and they can't go anywhere. They're, they're going to die from this upwelling of water. But it's like Mother Nature's like, well, we have the eagles to come clean all that up. So it's it's like this balance back in place again. And yeah, it, it it's really sucks for this fish right imagine you're cruising along oh and all of a sudden you get blown to the surface you get the bins like you know your your eyeballs inflate and then you get eaten alive by an eagle i mean that's rough but again (laughs) there's like this balance there that's that's happening you know that that seems to happen all the time and again like back to the turtle and the crab the crab has to eat too you know as as hard as it is to watch something like that you have to really kind of have the perspective of that balance that you know this this is the way things are unfortunately and you know they kind of have to remain that way at times as well so i wouldn't say it's perfect i mean it's 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 good and it's close but i think a lot of times as as humans we think we're smarter and we want to fix something and i think history has shown that 
that's almost always a mistake that, that mother nature has its own solution in play and it will kind of sort it out on its own might not be perfect, especially from a human perspective. Um, and, and you know, there's also the, where people like to anthropomorphize, you know, feelings into these animals. And I don't know, I, I've seen and experienced a lot of interesting stuff with wildlife and I would be one of the first people to do that. I, I fully think that they have, uh, a layer of emotions and feelings that we just don't really perceive in the same way. I, I've seen it, you know. Um, so for me, it's easy for me to do that, you know, because I've, I've seen a, a lot of uh, suffering and, and what appears from a human form to be, you know, actual emotional behavior between, you know, certain animals. So, How do you... Are you are you sometimes emotionally affected by what like have you seen something where you're like man that like you were, you put the camera down and you just kind of sat and thought about it like where the like almost this perception of emotional suffering from an animal that it would you'd feel it too then almost on on reflection or or how do you kind of deal deal with that Sure yeah well, no 100% um I have a really weird example to illustrate that and I have to try to tell it in a very short story um, I followed a family of cranes at one time early on doing this for about three months. And I wanted to document like the, the life and, and birth of their baby and then the trials and tribulations that it went through to, to kind of show people the struggle that this, these animals have. Again, back to the, we don't have it as bad as we think type of mentality. Um, and it was a great learning experience. And the, the end result was nothing I would have ever anticipated. You know, I, in my mind, I was like, okay, I see the the local predators like an alligator or this bird or that bird, they're going to be the bad guys in the, in the play, so to speak, trying to take the baby. But in the end, the experience was disrupted by a human. And it was something that I would have never anticipated. Um, long story short, uh, I got very close with this family. They let me in many times. I just sat with them and just watched, you know, in amazement at, at what they were doing. And they were never really bothered by my presence. Um, not like I went up to them. There were times where I'd park myself in a specific, specific place and they would come to me and just kind of surround me. And then you have to put the camera down. You have to and, and just kind of understand what's happening around you and just watch it to be present, you know. Um, but ultimately what happened was a really bizarre experience. Um, the mother ended up getting hit by a car and was in a ditch on the side of the road. And in this experience... I, I showed up one day and I couldn't find the whole family. I could only find two and I could tell it was the father and the chick and the father was making this really bizarre noise, almost mourning noise that I'd never heard them make before. And I was, it was very upsetting to me. I knew something was extremely wrong. I had to leave the area because uh, a storm rolled in and I went home and I got my son and I wanted to bring him back to ground me because I was emotionally invested in this family and I wanted him to be there to say, hey, yeah, maybe you're overreacting to all this. So we get back to this little place where they were and the male is still there and he's still making this really sad, mournful noise. And I looked at my son, like the male kind of started to approach us. And I looked at my son and said, oh my God, I know what's happened. The female has been hit by a car and she's in a ditch on the side of the road. And my son looked at me and goes, okay, now you're overreacting, dad. That's, that's not what's going on here. And as soon as I said that to him, the male went around us and started to go outside of this facility where we were towards the road, towards the ditch. And I said, we got to follow him. He's going to show us where she is. And sure enough, that's what he did. He, he led us to where she was and then left. And we tried to save her. Ultimately, she couldn't survive. She had been hit by a car and the, it was you know, devastating for her. 
Um, we took her to an animal rehab. They tried their best and ultimately had to euthanize her like within 48 hours. I still to this day cannot explain how I came to that conclusion that she was in a ditch on the side of the road and been hit by a car. I had no prior knowledge to any of that. And I'm glad my son was there to see it as well. Cause had he not been there, nobody I think would have ever, ever believed me. That tore me up for a good five or six days. I was very, 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 very sad about that whole experience. But what's even more bizarre, and this one is really hardcore, is I, I watched this family do what they did, and I watched the female you know, get taken out by a human and die. And I found myself three years later in almost the same exact situation. My wife of 25 years had an like instant aneurysm and died within 12 hours. And so I was kind of in the same exact situation as this Sandhill Crane family. Now here I am with my two surviving children. Granted, they had one, and I now need to kind of continue on with my kids. So there was this parallel there that was almost foreshadowing what would happen to me in the future, which was very, it's very weird to look at it now from a different perspective, um, from a somewhat healed perspective. You know, I don't think you really ever heal from this type of experience. But it's interesting to see it now and to see those parallels again and to kind of dig in and, and use that as like the motivation to, to, to strive and continue, you know, to, to keep going through these tough situations. So, so yes, it has affected me emotionally um, on several instances, but for sure. It, it's, I think it's hard not to. I, I don't, and I don't think I would want to not be affected emotionally by it if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, very sorry to hear about your wife, um, Mark. That's um, that's an incredible story in terms of just the connection you're making to foreshadowing as well. Like what that's, uh, and then just as you've been kind of touching on all the time, like how the, the animals and the, their instinct to survive is the thing that you find almost most inspirational. And then, then this, tragic situation in your own life appears as well yeah exactly i mean i guess hardcore was a a good way to describe it it was it was pretty tough i'm still is but yeah it it definitely uh, like there was some definite healing moments too afterwards where i you know i went out with the animals every day and and i saw that that fire for survival in their eyes and, and i used that you know in my own way to, to kind of work my way through a lot of this stuff. So definitely. How just there's, well, there's a couple of questions, um, even just about your interaction with those animals, but just in terms of just the, like almost the cycle of life was a question I wanted to ask even before you mentioned this, but just in terms of just seeing, like all this, ha- like all this playing out so often in animals and um, survival, all of these things, like, does that bring you a, like a different perspective, even just beyond the ob- observation of survival, like the, like, like almost the order of life, you know, birth and death and so forth and survival in between, like, has, has that a- affected you quite profoundly as well in terms of just observing this play out in the, in, in, in nature so often? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I think it's uh, hugely beneficial, especially when you can relate it to maybe instances in your own life. So yeah, it's almost kind of like a, a type of therapy, <laughs> if, if you will. I mean, it's 
you can have this vicarious experience. Um, and again, you can relate it back to yourself and in, in the bigger picture of everything. So, yeah. Um, and you get to, with wildlife, you get to see, you get to see that lifetime in a much shorter span of time. You know, you get to see the, all of the experiences they have in a much shorter span of time in relevance to time to the human experience. So. Yeah. Isn't this, um, this story though, of actually feeling like you had got clear instruction uh, to, or, you know, to follow, to follow the, the father and then to, to find his, as uh, the mother. Have you ever reflected on that in terms of just like what the hell was communicated there or, or, <laughs> or like, do, do you know what I mean? Cause I'm fascinated in, in those kind of experience, almost like in an energetic exchange or a, a transfer of knowledge or communication beyond the spoken word or language, if you get me. Yeah, I, I 100% uh, think about it a lot. And, and I do think something like that happened because there's, there's no way that I can't put my finger on anything else. I don't know how that idea just suddenly appeared to me. But, you know, science is interesting anyways because, you know, we learn new things every day. And we're only built to perceive the world in a way for our survival, where everything else is built to perceive it in a different way. So I'm fully open to the idea that there are a lot of things happening around us that we're not aware of that we can measure in a scientific formula or way that might be happening. And this was, I would say, was one of those instances to where we don't have any type of device to say, oh, there was some sort of energy transmission there that happened. And that's why this human now understood what was going on with this uh, bird. But I, I fully think something like that happened. I, I can't really explain it any other way, to be honest. So, and to, and to be so precise like that. And I mean, I, I could see maybe if I said, oh, maybe she's been hit by a car, but to know, I, I mean, I knew for a fact without a doubt that she'd been hit by a car and she was stuck in a ditch on the side of the road. And then to watch him lead us out right to her, I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's, I, yeah. Very strange, but you know, I, I, I was, I was wondering, like, do you think, you know, when you're saying that we're designed almost to perceive life a certain way, and not like not many people, um, you know, that may be listening to this, or that like, or let's say, I've, I've, I was born in Dublin in a city. I live in Berlin in a city. Okay, I've lived in the countryside before for a year in Peru, but by and large, I've been based in cities got such a narrow like almost narrow level of senses or that we're we're blunt instruments anyway in perceiving maybe a, a almost like a quantum reality like you know that you and i are made of atoms and there are 99.9999% space and everything feels very solid so we're kind of blunt instruments even in perce perceiving that but i mean just in a natural sense like we're if if people go to an office or they live in like they're spending most of their time indoors or these kind of things, like I'm be so intrigued as to what like senses or what capacities that we're dulling all the time with with the way many of us are going about our lives that perhaps that obviously that's not the same case for what how you're approaching life. Yeah. Um yeah, I I I would think so. I, I think uh I don't know. I mean, we're all different, you know, maybe some people are better at perceiving other human beings and they have, uh, insight into another human being in the same way, you know, through, 
through a process that we can't measure. You know, we all have our own, I guess, journeys and, and unique windows into everything. So, but, but I do think there is a dulling for sure by, by just the, I guess the way that, that society is as a whole, there's, I think there's somewhat of a dulling experience to it, a numbing agent, so to speak, that, that might not be there as a child, but as you grow up, it, it like just the harshness and reality of life sometimes kind of cuts away a lot of this, this stuff, you know? Um, and yeah, I guess a stressful job in the city could also be a factor in that. So yeah, and, and I wasn't trying to sound too judgmental of myself and others. Oh. <laughs> I don't, but I don't want to be that way either. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, no. So, but I think I may have come across that way briefly. So, um, but yeah, that wasn't my intention. But it, it, but I do find it's really interesting. Even when you mentioned that you were just even sat with this family and you have to put your camera down. I do think that there's certain things um, and this also even goes back to even like having, I guess, even mindful practices or even time away from technology because these things are so powerful. But I, I, I really do love the idea of even just sat there in a moment and thing like creatures coming to you. And even, you know, even just from my relationship with my dog, I, I love looking at my dog and looking at her behavior and every little kind of nuanced thing or things where she's just moving her paw in a different way. Right. Like there's something really, I don't know, enriching about just an, an engagement with a creature in a, and having nonverbal communication or nonverbal relationships with other creatures as well. I, I agree 100%. In, in terms of like how, how you first got into this uh, line of work, was this, uh, was this something that you were always following throughout your life or, or kind of what was your, your route into this? Yeah, uh, yeah um, I've kind of been fascinated with nature ever since I was a little kid. Uh, my dad was really responsible for introducing me to a lot of things that I thought were kind of normal, but I've learned as I've gotten older, we're not in the sense of um, interactions with wildlife and, and being immersed in it. You know, he would he would take my brother and I camping all the time when I was little in the middle of the forest. Uh, he got heavy into sailing, so we would spend a lot of time on a sailboat, kind of living off the ocean and spending 12 hours a day in the ocean snorkeling and all this amazing stuff. And I started photography way, way back then. I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I, it was always fascinating to me to be able to capture a moment and then understand what was happening behind that moment, you know? Um, so yeah, I've been fascinated with this for a long time and I'm really kind of happy and excited that technology is at a point where it is to where I can have this device in my hand that would have like 10 years ago would have taken a whole crew of people to do, you know? So I, I, it's been condensed into a smaller, easy to manage variable that allows me to capture more precise moments and, and share them with people and understand. But it's definitely been something I've been doing my whole life. That's a, uh, so did you like, at what point did you even kind of think that this could be something that I'd actually that I'd actually just do all the time, even um, not trying to throw the label of work on something that's, yeah. that seems to be so kind of uh, innate or that, that was came across, uh, emerged so naturally. But like, was there a point where you're like, oh, wow, I just get to, <laughs> I, I, I keep get to doing this. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, you know, I would, 
my son, I would say my son had a big like part of that. I, I would go off and do these things daily on my own. And I would come back and share these experiences with my family. And my son was adamant that I should create a YouTube channel and share these experiences that I was sharing with him with the world. He, he was for certain that people would just love it. And I, I was like, I don't think they're really going to care. You know? Um, so he was instrumental in that. And I, I did. And when I saw a few things, right? When I saw how people reacted to it, that was great. But then this underlying thing started to happen that I wasn't really ever anticipating. And that was a lot of young people being exposed to these things and being fascinated and seeing maybe a change in their perception of the the world around them because of it. And that, that was a huge influence as well. And, and it's hard to, to maybe think of the actual moment when I went, oh, I get to do this because I think it was a gradual learning experience. It just slowly but surely became what it is. And when you think of the, I don't know, even just, it sounds something like, because the moment I saw the first year videos, I started watching a bunch of them. Like, it's amazing that you could even think though that like, oh, people maybe not care about this. Like when it's like, you know, an eagle swooping in, scooping up a fish, even eating it midair. And I'm just like, holy shit, what did I just see? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, my perception of things when I started to wasn't there with that. You know, it was, it was smaller things that were, I was more accustomed to that might be happening in and around me. And I, I'd experienced them for my whole life, you know, 45 years. I had a, a really big epiphany one day that helped me understand all of this when I was in Colorado. So I'm born and raised in Florida, did some traveling, ended up staying and living in Colorado for a couple of years. And I had this idea one day when I was in the grocery store in the deli, there was a young woman working behind the deli, I'd say maybe early 20s. And I, it dawned on me that maybe she had never in her life seen a pelican. And I wanted to kind of figure this out. So I asked her just flat out. I said, it was a weird question to ask somebody, but as she was like, you know, cutting up the stuff that I wanted, I asked her, I said, have you ever seen a pelican? And she responded, I could tell a pelican. What do you, what do you mean? And I said, you know, the bird, the pelican. And she said, Oh no, I've, I've never seen one before. And to me, that was a big aha moment. I was like, okay, these, these experiences that I've been living with, you know, pelicans and all these other things all around me, are not everyday occurrences for the majority of people. Um, so it, it would be beneficial to like start exposing them to all of these things because she might not ever get to go see that in, in her experience where she is. And if I can open that window and, and actually give them a little point of view into it and maybe make them realize this exists and maybe even smile, then yeah, that, that's a great thing. Just in, in terms of then even your own evolution or your own relationship with what you're engaging in i i saw one video where you're you start off the day kind of completely transfixed by a great blue uh, heron mm -hmm. and just the detail under its right eye and like i i like which is just sometimes when i look at um like natural shots i'm just like this world is crazy like how does you know how does this time like how do all these species exist for starters? How do we exist even with all our various differences? Like there's just something really kind of trippy about that. But then also like just curious, like have you noticed a shift in your own subtlety and what you appreciate like or, or kind of how would you say have things shifted or evolved through your, your repeated process? Mm. 
Yeah, I, I would say there's definitely more appreciation for everything, even the you know the little tiny things around me. Um, and then it, it, I'm always kind of thinking bigger picture too. And um, I remember one time I was photographing some tiny little um, oh I can't think of what they're called right now. Uh, the tiny little bugs on the base of a flower and as I was like peering onto them I mean they're tiny they're like the size of a, a pinhead and I was taking photos of them and, and understanding a little bit more about them and, and relating that to what they were doing I had this idea you know here I am standing above this flower transfixed on these little tiny creatures on the stem that are completely unaware of me they as far as I can tell they have no knowledge of my existence here spying on them and when I had that idea, I kind of stood up and looked over my shoulder and thought, hmm, well, what could be having me under their lens right now doing the same thing? So, yeah, it, it, it really it gives you a different outlook on everything. At least it has for me. So for sure. I know there can be big spectacular moments that you can capture when, you know, like when it, if it is an eagle or an osprey, even just plunging into the water and things like this. But like, are there... Are there kind of things that, are there certain things that like what brings you joy? Does that shift or is it, is it the process that you were mentioning earlier, like control kind of a presence in yourself, uh, communication with the, the camera, then communication with the what's at the end of the camera, like, or, you know, that kind of presence and stillness, or are there things that you have preferences for? I, I like the whole experience. I, I like every, every aspect of it. Um, and there's always a few surprises too when you're doing this, you're, you might be out there for a couple hours experiencing something and you, you capture all of these moments. And then when you get back and start reviewing what you've captured, there's almost always something that happened underlying that you are completely unaware of that you can learn about. It's like, Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, another interesting, interesting thing that, that starts to happen is when you spend a lot of time around a specific group of animals, you start to see the individuals, be it because they have a fish hook in their face or there's an eagle here that's missing almost all his tail feathers. So you can spot this one very easy and you start to see their individual personalities. And again, this one, this eagle that's missing all of its tail feathers, it's a young juvenile bird, but it is so good at catching fish. It, it catches more fish than most of them, at least as far as we can tell, because we can identify the one, um, but it's very keen on getting a feed and it does so very, very well. And being able to like, when you immerse yourself in there, and you can see these physical traits that allow you to identify the individual, and then you can learn the personalities. It makes it even more, uh, more of a special experience because you can you can almost relate then with that individual, and you have this like, oh, I know this one, you know, I, I know this one, and I, I know the behavior and what, and you know, and I don't know. You can relate to them kind of better that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely does, and I, I love the idea of of just kind of seeing things almost as a uniform body at the start and then you spend enough time with them and then it's like now it's a, a level deeper it could be physical uh differences then it could be personality things that you notice like it's like a just the, the longer you're kind of observing or, or in the presence of things sure yeah definitely um mark just as i as i ha as i have a habit of asking people at the end of this it's the the question of uh what is a good life i know you've mentioning things like connection values uh, learning and um, inspiration even that you get from nature um, the grounding elements of nature as well and then even just the humbling nature of uh, the humbling ideas of exp uh, observing nature uh, but what is a good life for you sir uh, 
I would say remaining, trying to remain present in all of these moments. <laughs> that would really be definitive for it. And, and that, that makes a good life because you can really appreciate everything that's happened. Not, it's not always achievable. You know, sometimes it's easy to go backwards or, or even forwards, but to, if you can find that balance and remain present, that, that makes a really good life. And I, and I guess within that Denmark, it's uh, like life can be rough. It can be smooth sometimes as well. It's, it's the entirety or it's taking it all in and, and, a, and a, I guess appreciating it all. Yeah, definitely. Like the good wouldn't be so good without the bad. You, you got to have that balance. So, Yeah, ab- absolutely. Look, Mark, I really appreciate you taking the time for the What is a Good Life podcast, especially on location as well, <laughs> out of the oh, blue. Sure. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for, for all that you've shared. And, and, and I've, I've been enjoying your work immensely, and I look forward to, to following it as well. Well, thank you for having me. I, I greatly appreciate it. It's been a, a fun experience for sure.